Right, one. <clears throat> Hi guys and welcome to episode 55 of the Chasing Past podcast. Um, no Jamie today, uh, he is away getting pissed, so it's just me and Aaron Cockrell. Hello. Greg, how you doing? Thanks, Hello, thanks for Aaron having Cockrell. me. So, sorry we're, uh, we're missing uh, the third party there, but uh, I don't blame him. Friday night. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Friday night in the UK. I mean, a long working week. Why not, Jamie? We've had a very busy week, actually, um, with um, a couple of guests coming on. Um, Will Besling and Richard Bland. It's been been a pretty whirlwind of a week, to be honest. Uh, But we've got another one in uh, yourself, Aaron. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for coming on, man. And um, yeah, it's a a pleasure to have you on. Yeah, excited to do it. I listened to your last uh, episodes with those boys, and I know both those guys decently well. Played with them a lot the last few years. Nice guys, and happy to be on. I uh, I don't I don't have a lot going on these days with the quarantine, so this is a good way to kill an hour chatting some golf with you. <laughs> Fair enough, man. I mean, ah, oh, I mean, but I, I I'm I'm sure everybody's uh, gonna look forward. To to this kind of uh, South Africa whole episode um, very shortly when when we go on to uh, I'm sure it's going to be fantastic but yeah first of all how is quarantine and are you bored out of your skull yet um, we were talking earlier there like for me I had to do two days in a hotel in Toronto which is like the first point that I entered in Canada and then I was tested on arrival and once I got the negative one back I was allowed to leave and fly home um so I mean I don't get the rules and I don't know if they actually make sense and and whatnot but anyway so I was able to do you know it was like 11 or 12 days at home um and I'm almost done um the first few days wasn't too bad. I uh, I had a lot of stuff, just like year-end business golf stuff that I had to tie up and kind of just, you know, figure out all the sponsorship for next year and little things like that. So I was able to keep kind of busy. But uh, yeah, the last few days I've been pretty bored, uh, just trying to keep busy on uh, in the, the little home gym that I have with the putting green out there. So um, I'll be ready to see the outside world here pretty soon. Oh, that's good, man. Um, uh, how long have you actually got left of your quarantine? Um, I think is it long left? Two more days, I think. So not horrible. I'm sure you can manage for two days, man. Eh? <laughs> yeah, and and like I said, I've been at home, and you know we have a little bit of a yard and um, hockey at night every night here back in Canada. So at least I'm not in the uh, the shoebox hotel rooms like some of the boys in the UK. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it, it must be, it must be, well, I'm not saying it must be nice, but it must be nicer to be back in your home comforts rather than some hotel, you know, like some of the UK boys. Oh, for sure. I, I honestly don't know if I could make it two weeks in a hotel room. I wouldn't want to have to to try and figure that out. I would lose my marbles. I'm, I'm a pretty... Uh, busy person so sitting still doesn't really you know sit well with me and uh i've been trying to keep busy at least with the house and out in the garage and stuff but yeah the the uh the hotel room would i don't know if i could do it 
<laughs> yeah, definitely. So, um, so how would you assess your 2021 in general from um, uh, from a golfing perspective? Uh, you made so you made 23 23 starts on the European Tour last year. Um, how would you assess your 2021? Uh, it wasn't great. Um... I didn't, I didn't drive the ball great all year. I know like statistically I was losing strokes off the tee and I'm not the longest hitter, so I can't really afford to be hitting into the penalty areas or anything like that off the tee. But um, overall, I mean, I, when looking back on the year, I had a, sh- a fair number of good rounds, you know, like mid to low sixties here and there. Um, I just wasn't really able to, to piece it all together in the same week. Um, and, you know, sometimes all it takes is is one or two good weeks where you kind of piece it all together. Um, and I just didn't really do that and didn't, you know, take advantage of some of those weeks when I was in contention to turn them into high finishes. And I made a decent number of cuts, but, you know, no top tens or fives or anything like that. So um, I was the king of finish in the uh, 40th this year, which doesn't really get you that far. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, I mean, at least you can laugh and joke about it, you know. Um, but um, I mean, still making the weekend, so must be a good feeling as a golfer. Um, how are you? How do you feel uh, when you don't make the weekend and miss the cut? Are you do kind of take it to heart, and or do you just kind of move on straight away and just prepare for the next one? Uh, I mean deep down i think as a pro you hate missing cuts i mean it's just messes up your travel plans <laughs> you want to be playing yeah, the weekend you want to be getting those extra reps <laughs> in a lot of the times you feel like especially for me with you know first time being at the golf course like you're learning it so much more every day and you're feeling more comfortable day in day out like if you're giving yourself two more rounds you never know what could happen if you're you know throw a low weekend yeah. at the boys like it's uh it's frustrating when you when you do miss them but it's it's also you know part of the deal um so yeah i mean it's uh yeah it's 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 overall it's not fun <laughs> not fair. I, I've, I've i've never actually asked any of the guests uh how they feel when like things don't go too well to be honest so it's just it's just a little bit of intrigue to be honest yeah no i've i've heard some other guys saying like some guys it doesn't really bother them like you know I was listening to a podcast. I think it was Matt Every, and he was he was some of the guys have kind of like a a winner bust mentality a little bit. Um, yeah. But that that's not overly, I guess, my style. I mean, maybe it should be. But uh, yeah, it's it's it, you, you, we all got we all got pride, and you you don't want to be missing weekends if uh, if if you're putting in the proper preparation and everything. It's yeah. Uh, so. Uh... So uh, at the end of the at the end of the regulation season, one of the main one of the main focuses was the now defunct European Tour uh, changing over uh, to the DP World Tour, uh, with DP World Tour taking over with the sponsorship uh, going forward from 2022. From a, a, a Asked Blandy and Will this, and they, they, they were kind of like, oh, it's very good for the game and stuff like that from a kind of professional player's perspective. 
are you in the same kind of boat as uh, them guys with regards to uh, the with the sponsorship and everything moving forward? Yeah, I mean, 100%. As as a player, kind of talked to you earlier. I mean, when there's more money in the game and and just with how everything is growing and how much more money is in the game of golf now like as a pro playing and having status on the tour like of course it's it's a great thing for me to be able to have a higher earning potential and 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 it it looks like it's going to be here for a while and seeing the schedule next year with some of the the increased you know not only prize funds, but just like the, I'm sure the the status of the events is going to be a lot better and, and everything that goes with it. Um, so yeah, hundred percent. It's a, uh, it's a great thing. And especially as a, uh, you know, a younger guy, I'm still, well, still in my twenties, almost, uh, almost out of that. But uh, yeah, the future I think for professional golf is, is in as good a spot as I can ever remember it. So. Yeah. Uh- um, yeah, that, that that was also going to be one of my questions. Um, for one of the young up and coming talents coming into the game, or kind of uh, they want to pick up the game and maybe see aspirations of being a professional golfer, is this the kind of would this be probably the best time uh, to get into the game of golf? Do you think, with obviously increased prize funds and stuff? Yeah, I think um, especially if you can make it out onto a, a you know tour, um, it is very hard to do so. And I think the flip side of that is that there's so many good players trying to get on a tour somewhere. Like there's, I could think of so many guys I've played with that are playing on mini tours or don't have status on main tours that could have status on main tours, right? Um, it's just kind of a matter of timing it up, whether it's the the Q school or um, having a good term and, you know, winning something on one of the lower tours to work your way up. Um, it definitely is hard to get there. And it's also hard to stay there once you get there. Um, but with, you know, this new sponsorship of the tour and um, everything else that's involved with professional golf, I think it's, it's a great time to be a young player in the game for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely going to be interested to see how how things evolve over the, over the next few years for sure on the well on the now DP World Tour stage for sure. Um, uh, yeah, I, w- I would say it is it sort, sort of uh, a little bit sad to see them lose the name of the European Tour. You know, when you like for me over here waking up early morning watching the European Tour, the the name being gone. It's I know it's still the European Tour Productions. Um, is like the umbrella of everything. That's just the name of our tour, but it's still a little bit sad to see it go. Yeah, uh, I, I kind of feel dirty uh, saying DP World Tour and not saying <laughs> European Tour, to be honest. So, <laughs> uh, so uh, I'm sure I'm sure quite a lot of people are going to be wanting to know about this and um, really interested to see. Obviously, from a personal perspective because of you being in South Africa at the time of this whole outbreak of the the Omicron variant uh, at the time. For you, uh, first of all, when 
when did you kind of first learn about, obviously there's another outbreak, a variant outbreak, and um, what was the kind of immediate reaction to that news? Um, so that would have been on Friday morning when I woke up. There was a bunch of messages and an email from the tour um, and then going down to breakfast at the Players Hotel and all of the the UK guys absolutely panicking, withdrawing, trying to get on the first flight home that they could race into the airport. Um, so for, for me, you know, I guess I didn't think it was overly going to affect me stupidly at the time because it was just the UK at the time. Um, and I had, a, I think I had an afternoon tea time that day. So I was just kind of thinking, well, I'll just play my round and kind of see what happens after maybe, you know, the next two tournaments might be dicey, but we'll just finish out this one as normal. I'm sure it'll be fine. Cause every other time this has happened, they'd given us a few days to at least get out of there. Um, whereas this time it seemed like yeah. it was pretty instant. Um, so yeah, I guess carrying on with that, they, on Friday night, I guess maybe it was, they decided that they were going to shorten the event to 54 holes and the next event was going to be only sunshine tour. And the third event was totally canceled. Um, so that's when it felt like it was uh, March, 2020 all over again, being there ground zero. Um, so then I was trying to scramble to book, book flights. And like we were saying earlier there, only citizens basically of certain countries were allowed in. So like I said, I tried to fly through Switzerland. Um, they wouldn't let me do that because uh, I wasn't a Swiss national. Um, I tried to go through Addis Ababa. Um, had about four other canceled flights. Um, the only place I could go through was Frankfurt. And I got out of there two days after. And um, lucky I did because Canada changed the rules with Germany. So um yeah, I ended up getting home like four days after the tournament ended, I think, and uh, happy I did. Oh, four days after the tournament ended, are you still not home yet? That's uh, that's pretty yeah, crazy, I, man. I had to do a two-day hotel quarantine in Toronto, um, test on arrival, and then once I got the negative back, then I could fly to my city and do the rest at home. So. Um, yeah, it's better than uh, being in a hotel. I've been able to be at home, but uh, it was, yeah, it was very uh, strange being in South Africa when all this was happening, obviously, right? And it's funny because the the people there, like, they they didn't really care from all the people that I interacted with. Let's be honest, I think the, whatever variant this is, is probably the least of their concerns um, in some of these places in South Africa that you see that are very um, poor poor places to begin with they're not too worried and everyone there like in the airport was so helpful and friendly and nice like I, so I was at the airport one day asking a guy for help and that didn't work I got canceled had to get out of there and I ended up coming back the next day and when I saw him the next day he remembered me and then when I finally got through he was like oh so happy to see you go brother like good luck like the people were so nice um yeah you, you feel bad with what's kind of happened to him but yeah um so obviously obviously with the amount of the amount of uk players that had to withdraw uh was there ever a feeling that you might have had to do the same at some point um no because on friday morning you know canada hadn't said anything um 
it was only the UK at yeah. that time. And then when I went out to play, I mean, obviously you're not really looking on your phone until after the round. And, um, and then after the round is when we had all the emails that everything was going to be shortened. And then it was like, okay, I got to get a flight home. Oh, wow. <laughs> it, it just sounds like a, it just sounds like a bit of a mess, to be honest. Uh, it's a shame because, um, it's a shame because uh, it was the it was the first it was the first uh, first tournament sorry uh, under the new DP World Tour brand uh, where um, Dean Burmester had the privilege of uh, uh, hitting the opening tee shot of the new era. Um, yeah, like, uh, especially from a especially from a player's point of view. Um, it must have been sad for sure, um, especially with you playing very, very well after um, after two rounds. You were tied 12th after two rounds, and obviously at the end it got shot into 36 holes uh, where you would finish tied 12th anyway. But um, you must have, was it a part of you that was like, oh, just come on, let me finish my tournament kind of thing? I mean, under the circumstances, they you know they were doing as as good a job as they could have, and plus we had rain and thunderstorms the whole week. I mean, it was anything that could have happened happened. There was so many delays, and um, so for it to be 36 holes, it was it was better than nothing, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, I had finished fourth at that golf course last year, so I was really looking forward to the week, and especially with being the first, you know, tournament of the new season of the DP World season, it was an opportunity for me to get off to a really good start, and I was in a decent position through two rounds, and was looking forward to the weekend, and unfortunately didn't uh, didn't get any more golf, but that's okay, things happen, and. I, you know, I honestly feel bad for all of the Sunshine Tour people. So I, I know that, you know, I played with two, two Sunshine Tour guys the first two days, and those three tournaments in a row are like their three biggest tournaments all year. Those are, you know, like the majors for them, right? And so for, for them to lose one and one of the purses be reduced in the second one, um, I, I feel bad for those guys. And, um, but it's the world we're living in, I guess. Yeah, uh, it, it must have it must have felt um, must have felt weird as well at the time, knowing obviously one of the most prestigious events in South Africa at Leopard Creek. Everybody must have been looking forward to that one for sure. But for for that to be completely cut off the schedule, obviously nothing can be done about it. But it must have been strange for you know. Uh, the players that were really, really looking forward to going back to Leopard Creek because obviously we hear about how how much of a beautiful place it is and a fantastic place it is. Yeah, I, I played both of those events the year prior and like the, the SA Open is, I think I heard it's the second oldest golf tournament in the world and that's at an amazing venue up in Sun City. And then Leopard Creek is is my favorite place in the world. It's it's so cool. It's The golf course is perfect the practice facilities are amazing um being right on the park like all the game drives you know you've probably heard everyone talk about it it's truly like the coolest place i've ever been and you know anytime you get a chance to go there i'm i'm always looking forward to it and i I actually don't know for sure if my status would have gotten me into that tournament this year it was probably going to be close um but yeah that's uh 
that swing, I know a lot of guys really enjoy going down there for a few weeks. Um, I know for a lot of the UK guys, it's pretty easy. The time zone isn't too far off and, you know, you're going to get some good weather and um, the people are super nice and, and the golf courses and it, it's, it's an awesome trip. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, you just hear about it all the time. Uh, everyone's like, oh, it's a favorite place on earth. And yeah, it looks, it looks unbelievable, to be honest. Um, uh, South Africa does look a beautiful country. Like I've, I, I've never been, but certainly, certainly, if there was one, one country probably to tick off the list um, or a tournament to go, to, probably Leopard Creek would be right up there for me for sure. Yeah, Leopard Creek. If you can ever do it, it's it's so cool. The the game drives are uh, a little bit better than the golf, in my opinion. Uh, but uh, the golf course is is unbelievable as well. I mean, there's the 13th hole, the par five there, it kind of wraps around down to the left and the green sits right on the edge of the Kruger. Um, like I was talking to Dale Whitnell about it and he said that the year prior, they, they saw a leopard like 50 yards off standing and, you know, they're just standing on the green and they're looking in the Kruger looking at a leopard, like not many places you're going to get to see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so, um, I'm just kind of, so uh, we're gonna we'll start with your um actually sorry the, the first question I want to ask you actually before we go into a little bit about your amateur career is um uh what 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 kind of age were you age range were you when you kind of uh, first first started out in golf and did you immediately take to it like um sometimes it takes players ages to like get into the game of golf were you pretty quick so I started you know just playing for fun with your friends kind of thing when I was like 12 maybe 11 12 so I was definitely later to golf than most people I would say um, and didn't start playing in tournaments until I was almost 16 15 16 um yeah, I played other sports. Ice hockey and baseball were my other two. Um, so with, you know, our golf season, as I'm staring outside at a two-foot-high pile of snow, um, it's a little shorter nice. here in uh, Canada. So it was growing up, it was hockey for half the year, basically, and then baseball and golf for half the year. Um, and eventually it became to the point where in baseball, I was a pitcher and I, you know, if I did my job and got a ground ball or a fly ball and somebody else messed up, it would kind of piss you off a little bit. Right. So I think the individual aspect of golf um, and just, you know, it's, it's you out there. And if you make a mistake, it's your fault. If you play great, it's credit to you, I guess, was something that drew me to it. Um, and I had some success in those first tournaments that I played in. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I played some of the other, the other sports throughout high school, and then when it was time to go away to, to school in the U.S., I got a scholarship down south. Um, then it was just only golf from then, then on out. Uh, has golf always been um, one of your, uh, one of your uh, kind of passions, really? Or is, obviously, you said prior that you're a big ice hockey fan. Um, you obviously just said uh, you like baseball as well. Is is golf right up there, or is it kind of take a back seat a little bit uh, to ice hockey? I think most uh, most Canadians, if you were to ask them, if you asked uh, a lot of the ice hockey players, they would say they want to be a golfer. 
And if you asked a, a golfer, he'd probably say he wants to be an ice hockey player. Um, yeah. I've, I've played golf with a few of the, the guys on the, the NHL, the Jets team here, and they've kind of said the same thing. Um, but yeah, no, I, g- golf is, uh, I, I do, I do love the game. Sometimes I don't think I do when it's frustrating out on the course, but then I've been at home here for two weeks yeah. and it's hard not to fiddle around with a wedge or a putter or something like that, you know? So, um, yeah, of course I, I, I love golf and, um, other sports hockey would definitely be number one. I enjoy watching on TV. We're going to go to a couple games in town here next week. Um, that, the, yeah, sports wise, uh, those, those are the two for me. Uh, did, uh, yeah, so Winnipeg, Winnipeg Jets, father, you know, the Winnipeg Jets. Yes, that's our team here. Um, and they're pretty good this year. I think there's a, there's a chance they can make a run. Um, they're probably maybe the second best team throughout Canada. We got seven teams in the NHL that are from Canada. Uh, the rest are down in the States. Um, and they're a pretty good team this year and they're, they're fun to go to. The games are close to 20,000. They're sold out every night. Uh, like I said earlier, they, uh, they've only been back in our city for 10 years. So it's still a little bit of that. I mean, I guess that sounds like a long time, but it's still kind of the, the fun thing to do. It's the hot ticket in town. So um, anytime you go to a game, it's fun. And I'll be having a few beers at the games this week. That's for sure. Nice, nice, man. That's, uh, that's, that sounds good. Well, we're going a little bit off topic here, there, but just, just, just as a bit of intrigue, um, what, what, what's a, what's the atmosphere like at like the NHL games? Is it, is a very good experience? The atmosphere, yeah. I, I would say it's, in my opinion, it's probably, I think it's the best sport that you can go to live. Like when, you, when you're sitting down low and you can appreciate how big, tall, strong, and fast these guys are and how skilled they are with just on their edges of their skates and just the hand-eye coordination with the puck and like the physical aspect to it. Like, I don't know how familiar you are with hockey, but if someone hits somebody and you don't like it, they can just square up and fight and drop their gloves and fight. I mean, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Not, not many sports you can do that. Um, yeah. There's some tough bastards out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's, uh, it's a uh, fun sport to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've, I've, I've watched NHL a couple of times. Um, I don't know. It's, I'd, I'd say, uh, I'd say I'm more likely to watch an NHL match over the NFL. American football, just like, I don't really get it. Like, yeah, really I was watching one it. the other day and I was flipping back between that and a hockey game. And there's so many commercials and there's so much dead time in an American football game with, you know, 40 seconds between plays. Hockey is constant. Football, soccer, same thing. It's just nonstop action. Yeah. It's just, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know what it is for me. I just can't get into NFL at all. But, uh, but yeah, it, NHL, yeah, probably would have been, would be that if I was to watch uh, that or the NBA if I was to watch any of the American sports. But um, yeah, well, or North American sports, sorry. But uh right anyway sorry we're, we're, we're kind of going off track a little bit there uh, talking a lot of shit <laughs> to be honest but um that's what podcasts are for right but, yeah yes yeah, certainly i mean i mean if jamie was here it'd be 
his response would be, uh, oh, you talk a lot of shit anyway, so what was it matter? <laughs> but, uh, but uh, so, um, just going into a little bit about your uh, your kind of amateur career, um, can, you can correct me if I'm wrong in any part. By the way, um, I'm just kind of I'm just kind of hoping for the best kind of, but I'm gonna be impressed in, if you're able to so dig in, all this up from over there. <laughs> I mean, I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens. Though, but. Um, so in 2012, you had a you were uh, you had a tied second at the Manitoba Men's Amateur Championship at Glendale Golf and Country Club. Um, was how how long had you been playing the game? Uh, kind of round about that time in 2012. I think my first tournament was 2008 or 2009, and I played in the you know, the, the provincial junior tournament and I finished second. So 2012, that might be four years in, give or take. Well, I mean, f- only four years. Um, I mean, that that is pretty impressive, to be honest, how you could kind of like, you know, take up a new sport and kind of like, f- you know, four years later, you're kind of a, 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 a very decent, you know, amateur level uh, competing and uh, finishing tied second in one of the one of the country's amateur championships. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say I picked it up pretty quick. Um, yeah, the, the first time I played the the Manitoba Junior, which is our, you know, big junior event, I finished second and uh, then I think it was the next year I finished top 10 in the, the Canadian junior. So, um, yeah, I had some pretty decent success, you know, early, which is probably what uh, urged me on to stick with it. And uh, let's be honest, it's always more fun if you're having success, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and in 2013, again, in, at the, uh, in Manitoba, uh, you, you also finished second there as well, I believe. Yeah, and, and both of those years, I won our uh, provincial match play tournament. Um, I never won our Manitoba amateur tournament, which always will uh, will kill me a little bit, but I was able to get the match play a few times. Um, and I think I think it was both those years, 12 and 13. So do you like the... So j- j- just from that, do you, are, are you a big kind of like... Um, are you a big fan of like the match play kind of setup kind of? Yeah, hundred percent. I I wish we had more tournaments on tour like that. Um, sometimes I think seventy-two holes of stroke play can get a little repetitive. Uh, it'd be nice to have a few different formats here and there. Um, I don't know. Maybe there has been some match play ones recently, but nothing that I've been able to play in these last two years. I mean, they had the <clears throat> they had the golf sixes, um, which I believe was in Belgium. They kind okay. of took that away, where where they have a couple of people from like uh, different countries, obviously playing. Yeah, they, playing. They, and then they had something in Perth where they did like six hole match play or something like that. I mean, it's different, but I think yeah. that's cool, cool, and it's it's fun and it's something different. And um, I, I think personally, they should have more events like that. Yeah, for sure. I mean. Not everybody's going to play, you know, the WGC match play, are they? So, you know, they should at least 
you should at least consider, I think, uh, certainly for like uh, players like yourself and stuff uh, that obviously like match play, they should they should really like kind of change it up a little bit. But yeah, I think there's. I, I mean, it's not something you'd want to have every week, but I think there's room for one set in stone match play tournament. You know, every year on the the DP World Tour, I think that would be a fair ask yeah yeah definitely i mean you're probably not the only one that kind of likes match play as well uh kind of from the old european tour lot um so it definitely would be interested to see um because the because i'm sure they used to have the uh, old paul Laurie match play as well which was was always held in Scotland. Uh, they used to have that on the European tour schedule. Obviously, the golf sixes, as we alluded to, uh, and the Perth one they had for a little bit. So yeah, definitely would be interesting for sure. But um, uh, so, to, uh, so two thousand I'm gonna, I'm gonna sound like a broken record here, but Manitoba you finished times seven. <laughs> yeah, a lot of a uh, lot of close calls at the uh, the Manitoba Amateur back in the day. I, I appreciate the reminder. <laughs> I mean, it must it must be a painful, and obviously being like being from the the state of Manitoba as well, it must yeah. be a painful reminder. Yeah, but I'll, I'll tell myself that I was, uh, you know, at least I got the match play a few times, but I never got the M. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's that's uh, it's one of those things, and you only get a few chances at it, I guess, when you're uh, when you're turning pro after. So, <laughs> yeah, definitely for sure. Um, kind so kind of in these. Um, I know I haven't really gone into it too much, but uh, kind of in these kind of three years out with the Manitoba, was there any was there any kind of tournament in, in three years that kind of stuck out with you? Like, where you played very well or were very unlucky or you felt you had a chance of maybe improving on your finishing end? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's lots of them where looking back and it's just a few strokes and you could have won the tournament. But um, I guess something that would stick out would be, you know, kind of that, you know, top 10 in the Canadian junior and your national event when I was only like two years into golf um, kind of, you know, at least planted the idea that I was pretty good and could have a chance if I worked hard at it. And um, I think it was a year after that where I was able to get my scholarship down to the States. And um, a lot of those tournaments, uh, you know, once I was out of our province here, you realize that when you're down south, especially in the U.S., that there's so many good players across the country and being able to compete against all those guys. Um, you know, we would have probably 12 tournaments a year throughout our college schedule. Um, so you're seeing some of the best amateurs in the world. Like I got to play with John Rahm in, in college and, you know, some guys like that. And um, it was a great experience going down there and being able to, to compete against all those top guys. Uh, has Ram always been? Obviously, we know him. 
how 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 fucking good John Ram is, but um, you know what I mean. Has he always has he always been that very very strong player even back then? Yeah, I I remember. So a, a few people have asked me about this, and the one I I I don't remember much golf related. Like you could re- ask me what tournament I played two months ago, and I'd struggle to remember or the scores I shot. But I do remember when I played with him. We played a tournament in Hawaii. This is a drivable par four with ocean all down the right-hand side. So everyone's hitting driver. It's like 300 yards. You're hitting driver left of the green, basically, and trying to make an up-and-down birdie. And uh, and I, I remember I drive it left, hit a decent shot, and, uh, and he steps up there with a three-wood and just laced it right at the pin, never left the flag, went to like five feet, and he basically just tapped it in and moved along. And I, I remember that shot vividly. And he's uh, what, so one of my buddies uh, went to school with him down at Arizona State. And uh, he said that he's the most competitive guy that he's ever met. If they're going bowling, if they're doing whatever he wants to win and he wants to just kick the shit out of you. Um, so I think that probably translates oh, pretty yeah. well. And uh, I think you have to have some of that to be, you know, number one golfer in the world. <laughs> I mean, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, he always he always looks very very competitive. Does Rambo? Um, that doesn't surprise me at all when you just said that. There. Yeah, I think I think no matter what uh, the sport is or or whatever you do, you know, if you're if you're top top class elite like that, there's there's definitely some severe competitiveness and. Uh, willing to win in there for sure <laughs> yeah i mean you just got to humiliate them at the end of the day uh, <laughs> at all costs <laughs> so uh so you decided to turn pro in 2015 um what was the kind of thinking behind that obviously because you've had relatives relatively uh, close close finishes uh in your amateur career Obviously, you just alluded to the match play titles as well. Was was um, was golf after winning kind of the match play? Was that was that very much first choice of what you wanted to do going forward? Not really, to be honest. Um, with uh, same thing as how I started to the game and, and getting to a school down in the states, University of Idaho, everything was kind of last minute and. Um, when I was going into my fourth final year at school, um, I was kind of talking with my coach and, you know, after the year I was going to have to figure out what I want to do with my life. And, uh, he kind of planted the idea, um, of potentially turning pro and he had been out of school earlier at where they had had some national championship players and they, um, they won the national championship themselves. And, uh, yeah, he, he said that I, I had the game and he thought that I should give it a try um so he was probably the one who you know th- planted the seed at least and and I decided that I was giving it going to give it a go and um yeah I got out onto the Canadian tour my first year and um had some success my, minor success and um ever since then it's kind of been a, a slow steady progression moving up the ladder in terms of different tours or or whatnot and I've uh you know managed to make it to the European tour DP World Tour, whatever five five years after that. So, um, yeah, it, it doesn't come easy, and there's not 
that many John Roms and Colin Morikawa's and it's, it's definitely a bit of a slow grind and it kind of has been for me, but uh, I've shown for the most part positive progression every year. So um, I'm just trying to keep doing the same and hopefully accelerate the pace a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so you just alluded to there about um, you joined the McKenzie Tour on the in 20, 2015. Uh, what were the well? Who were the kind of like standout players back then? Kind of when you first burst onto the scene there. Um, I think Joel Damon had just wrapped up playing in the Canadian Tour that pre previous year. Um, I got a bad memory with other guys who have come through there, but I know Tony Finau had just come through there. Um, there's been quite a few PGA Tour winners who have played there. It's it's turned into the breeding ground for all of the the star, you know, college kids who don't really have a place to play when they first turn pro. I know now they have this PGA Tour U program, um, but when I was playing, it was. Uh, when you, when you were turning pro, the, there wasn't really that many places to play in the summer. And the Canada option was probably the best option for all of the U.S. kids. Um, so we would be competing against all of these All-American players week in, week out. And the level and the standard is really good. I can count a lot of times where I was uh, four or five under par and missed the cut. Um, so you, you had to yeah. shoot <laughs> low scores. Um, all the and, time. So it sounds similar to the corn ferry, to be honest. With the, you know, you have to, you have to be firing for four days, like birdie, 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 birdie. Like you have to, otherwise you're just going to finish nowhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with we, we generally get pretty good weather here in the summer, so you're playing in pretty good weather, and um, the golf courses, it's not exactly like you're playing a true championship, really, really difficult course. So is a little more generous off the tee and um, with how good guys are, if you kind of give them space and there's not that much trouble, the scores are just going to be low. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it is very similar to the corn fairy tour and how it feeds into that. Um, <clears throat> uh, was any of the, was any of the other Canadian lads at the time? Um, like, you know, Corey Connors and um, the likes of Corey Connors and um, Mackenzie Hughes and players like that. Were they the guys on the tour then at the time? So I think they're both one year older than me. So they they had graduated the year prior. Um, so I think Mac played in 13, graduated, or maybe it was in 12, and then he graduated the Corn Freight Tour, came back down the pr- – uh, the next year and then got through again. Uh, and Corey had gotten through uh, the year before me. Michael Gligic got through as well. Um, yeah, Adam a lot of players like that. Yeah, Taylor Pendrith. Um, a, yeah. Lot of, a lot of the Canadian guys who are on the PGA Tour now started there. Nick Taylor, Adam Hadwin. Um, I think pretty much all of them started there. It's, it, it's, it truly is a great place to play. They run it so well billet families it's it's a super fun place to play it just goes quick they have our, our summer is so short they bang out you know 13 tournaments in 16 weeks kind of thing um so the year just flies by um yeah um 
correct me if I'm wrong, but I think last year's winner was Jared Dutois, wasn't it? On the he, on the McKenzie, oh, the Formula Tour is what is known, but yeah, he I know he won his last start on the McKenzie Tour, so that's the guy who I was referring to, who's good friends with Rom because he played at Arizona State. Jared is uh, is a good friend of mine, and uh, he was just at my wedding this summer. Um, he won the tournament the week before the wedding, so it was pretty fun for him, him to come in and uh, have a little <laughs> celebration. That would have been a fun celebration, man, to be fair. It was, it was very good timing. <laughs> uh, oh, and congratulations, by the way, as well. You just mentioned, uh, obviously. Uh, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Got the ring on and everything. Oh, I mean... What can you say about that, man? <laughs> so, um, so 2016, um, you kind of you you make a you make a fairly good run of it on the McKenzie Tour. Uh, you start off your you you start off your season with a tie nine finish, um, with the Freedom 55 Financial Championship. Uh, with a fairly decent score of uh, 13 under, with a couple of 65s in there. Um, that, uh, uh, how would you kind of assess that uh, as a first start coming back into like a new year? Because I know, I know, obviously, some sometimes sometimes when you have a break, players can get a little bit rusty. But what what was your kind of um, what, 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 did you keep going? Um, obviously, keeping sharp and stuff beforehand. Yeah, I mean the the typical year schedule when you're playing the Canadian Tour is that you play the Canadian Tour in the summer, so that takes up mm-hmm. you know four or five months, whatever it is, max. Um, and then you're basically just using the last bit of it to prepare for whatever Q school you're going to play. So for me, I was playing the Corn Ferry Tour Q school in the fall. Um, and then I would play some some mini tour events down in Phoenix, Arizona in in the spring. Um, but yeah, looking back on it, I mean the Canadian tour is kind of boom or bust, so it's only the top five guys that move on to the Corn Ferry tour. Um, yeah. So unless you win one, I mean really you're just you're it's a great place to play and and keep the game sharp and work on things. But at the end of the day, it kind of comes down to how you play at the Q school at the end of the year because that's unless you win one, that's basically going to be how you're going to move on to the next level. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I do apologize. I think I've, I've, I've definitely looked, looked at that upside down. <laughs> oh my God. Which, which one? So, um, so, so I believe I believe your last event was a tie nine finish at the Freedom. Uh, 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 that was in uh, September. Uh, but, but but because um because I'm looking at the Formula Tour profile now, I didn't realize. <laughs> I forgot to realize it's like the other way up. So to be fair, Freedom Freedom okay. Fifty Five sponsors two events. One of them is the first event usually, and one of them is the last event. So. Uh, I wouldn't have known the difference. <laughs> so, so your first, uh, so your first real result in, um, well, your, your your first result of the year in 2016 
was a 15th place finish at the the Q School Canada. And yeah, I kind of I kind of thought that was the last event. So yeah, I do apologise. There's me being very 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 organised and professional as always. <laughs> no, the, the, that that was uh, 2015, I think, the Q School. That's when I first got my start. I got through there. You're confusing uh, me now. I told you I got a bad memory with all this stuff, anyways. Alright, okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm confused myself, to be honest. I just. Uh, <laughs> To, to 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 be honest, I've done that many I've done that many episodes now. I'm just like I've 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 kind of lost track of everything now. <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> uh, well anyway, you had you had a couple of decent top ten finishes in that year. Um, in general, um, did 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 the did the game definitely feel like? It was in the right direction. Uh, obviously, going forward, um, going forward until like the next year and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think as as a whole, that year was better than my previous year, and I think that's kind of been a theme with with my golf since I've started. Is I'm just trying to get better every year and move forward every year, and I've been able to pretty much do that in terms of moving up the ladder and status and different tours. And um, you know, I haven't had. A, a win on a recognized like OWGR tour. I've won one down in the States on a smaller tour, but uh, I've, I've done most of my damage by just, you know, having top 10 finishes and, and working my way up the ladder and playing well at Q school at the right time. And um, yeah. So, I mean, I guess that year common theme, it was better than the, the one the year before. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Nice, uh, nice analogy there. <laughs> it, j- j- just looking at one of your, just looking at one of your, uh, one of your, well, your best finisher that season in July of 2016 uh, was tied eight to the Style Foundation Open. It was won by uh, current PGA Tour professional now, just moved up from the Corn Ferry to Taylor Moore. Ah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there, there's I, I have a pretty poor memory with uh, some of the guys who played, you know, in on the Canadian tour. But there's lots of PGA Tour players that have come through there. Um, and that's that's just another one of them. Um, yeah, I know Corey Connors started there. Um, you could probably rattle off another 10. I'm just blanking on the names, but it's it's yeah. it's quite impressive, actually, the amount of talent that goes through there. Yeah. Adam Wise, yeah, he's he's playing very 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 good stuff on the PGA Tour now. Julian yeah, Brun, he's just I played with Aaron. He, he's in, just uh, his, first, his first year out, and uh, he we, I remember playing. We were playing this super narrow golf course where everyone was hitting two iron off the tee, kind of one of those types of places. And he was just sending driver everywhere in these little ten yard shoots, and then just flipping it on and rolling it in. Um, the guy played with no fear and, and drove it so impressively. Um, but yeah, p- plenty of guys like that who are now in the PJ Tour have all come through there. Yeah, I'm just I'm just having a look as we speak. Um, yeah, Taylor Gooch just won recently yeah. on the PJ Tour. Yeah. Uh, Hank Lebioda, he's a very he's a cracking player as well. So yeah, yeah I've played know, with Hank uh, quite a few times. It's 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 honestly impressive if you look down the list. If you're a true golf nerd and you know all these names, 
just go back to 15, yeah. 16, look at all the guys who played there, and there's tons of them who are on the PGA Tour now. Yeah. Even John Cartland. Wow. That's right. He did play over there. He's played everywhere. <laughs> he has, hasn't he? <laughs> He's, I saw him playing in Asia last week. The guy's everywhere. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, he's he is playing everywhere, isn't he? It's, it's, it's mental, man. <laughs> Scott Scott Vincent so, played the Canadian uh, tour for a bit. I remember that back in the day. Yeah, he's on the he's on the Japan tour now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone goes everywhere, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Um. So twenty seventeen. Uh, you had a tidy finish in the Bayview Place. Cardtronics Open presented by Times Col- Colonists. It's a mouthful. Yeah, I had to, I had to try. I had to, I had to attempt that there, mate. How did I do? Pretty good. Sounded like you got it all, even with the accent. Even with the dodgy accent, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so you had a tie date finish there, um, where on round four you shot a 64 to finish in tie date. Um, very impressive stuff there. Yeah, I remember I had a few good finishes at that golf course. There's a cool little place just uh, over on Vancouver Island, the west coast of Canada. It's a beautiful spot. Um, always loved that golf course. The greens were always pure. Um, always, always played pretty well there decent number of top tens and um yeah i think there's something to be said about you know going to a golf course that you like which is evident with joe Berg, you know exactly need to get back there soon that, i would say that's where the one's gonna come but that's a bit far away isn't it that's another year away another year i know i needed those extra two days this year just in case anything crazy happened <laughs> yeah yeah definitely so um how i mean obviously you look to you're not that great with memorizing but do you vaguely remember your 2017 uh season and if so how would you kind of assess how you were uh so how i think you were it was in general it was either 17 or 18 where i had kind of a poor year on the canadian tour i don't know if that's the one that you're looking at but uh I missed a lot of cuts that year, um, but but was able to salvage it and uh, and I think that's maybe the fall or the year that I went over and did the the European Q School um, where I was able to gain status on the Challenge Tour for the following season. Oh, that would have been going into 2019, I believe. Okay. So so, so I'm on 2017 now. Um, uh, I thought it was interesting that I read that um, after he kept trying and trying and trying with the Corn Ferry Tour qualifying school stuff, you got pretty frustrated with that, and that's obviously what led to your decision to kind of go to the European Tour School. Would that be yeah, correct in saying? A hundred percent. I mean, so like I was saying, you basically had the McKenzie tour to play on in the summer. And then if you got through the Corn Ferry tour Q school, great. If not, you were kind of back to square one. So it was tough because you had, you know, one shot at it basically. And um, I remember the, the first, I think, 
I think the first year I got through first stage, I got through second stage. So I'm at the final stage. Um, and I didn't come top 40 or whatever the number was to get full status. Um, but they told me I would have conditional status. And the following year, I didn't get anything. So the conditional status was nothing. I didn't get a single start. So it was the following year where I was like, okay, well, you know, that didn't really make sense. So I'm going to go try the Europe Q school. So I did the exact same thing. I got through the first stage. I got through the second stage. I got to the final stage, but I didn't come. I think in Europe, it was top 20. Um, but I made the four round cut and came wherever. And they're like, oh, you got conditional status. And I was like, yeah, I've heard this before. But I ended up getting full status on the challenge tour. And I got to play like four tournaments on the main tour. Um, so I was like, well, this is, this is amazing. So um, I really, I really just thought that I got a lot more out of that and obviously had way more opportunity in the world ranking points in Europe and everything that was presented with it. So um, yeah, I was happy to do that. And then it was the following year where I was able to do it all again and come, I think I came fifth at the final stage of Q school. So um, <laughs> it's funny how it works. Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting you say that because uh, one of your probably you probably agree with me. One of your um, more uh, impressive finishes was tied nineteenth in Australia, where um, the top two were none other than Cameron Smith and Matt Leishman. So yeah, that was that was I think my first start on the European tour, and I was. I was even in way better position. I had a, I shot like 75 on Sunday to drop back to that. I think I was in the top 10 going into the last round. And that was like, you know, one of my first events on, on the tour. And um, it was, it was a cool 72, way to. 72, sorry, is, uh, sorry to interrupt. Uh, 72, 69, 71, 73. Okay. So maybe it was the following year where I had the poor Sunday, but yeah, that was fun. I remember I played with Nick Taylor in the final round, another Canadian him and Adam Hadwin had just played down in Australia at the uh, the World Cup of Golf event that Dietrich and Peters won. Um, so he stuck around oh, for an extra you. week and came up and played at the uh, Aussie PGA. So it was really cool to play with a fellow Canadian in the final round. Yeah. Oh, no. Definitely, man. That sounds good. Uh, but, yeah, like, for the first start, that, that, that must have felt you with a real sense of confidence. Obviously, in that kind of and that kind of strength of field, just going by some of the names, obviously Smith won, Leishman was second, uh, Jason Scrivener was tied six, very good player. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you alluded to, Nick Taylor, he was tied ninth, Beef Johnston was tied ninth, Sean Crocker tied ninth, Harold Varner the third tied 16th, uh, Paratori, players like that were all in the top 20. So yeah, you must have felt uh, very proud with that performance yeah especially being one of my first ones and I remember <laughs> I think I actually flew from Canada to Australia for one week to play that tournament so I was just upside down in terms of sleep schedule and it was yeah, like, so hot yeah, like, and, oh my <laughs> god I remember that was a bit of a wild week going all the way over there for six or seven days but uh, <laughs> it worked out okay I guess <laughs> uh I mean, I mean for one for 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 one tournament, well, that is a hell of a lot of traveling. <laughs> Looking back on that, I have no idea why the hell I did that, and I would not do that now. But 
yeah, 17 hours from uh, Vancouver over to Australia is uh, it's not a short flight. <laughs> how how would you kind of satisfy yourself like on that kind of flight? Would you just would you read or would you like would you watch some films or? try and sleep, sleep. For as much as I can. And then the other parts, uh, yeah, movies and read. Um, I've, I, I do read a decent amount, but on a flight like that, I mean, you could probably bang out a whole series if you wanted to. So maybe get a little probably, mini yeah. series. <laughs> yeah, you could probably, you could probably finish maybe even two, two like properly good series on Netflix. Yeah, you get those mini like series that, that are like six, six, seven episodes. That's six or seven hours. You could you could get through two of those. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you'd even attempt to go through three of them, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so on the challenge to the twenty nineteen, you um, uh, it's fair to say you kind of took a while to kind of adjust the challenge to your life. Um, if you don't mind me saying that, um, just just going by your results, just going by your results at, at the start of 2019, uh, quite a few miscuts in there, um, quite a few finishes at the very start of 2019 in the tied 40 range, the uh, tied 40 to tied 60th kind of range, if you know what I mean, but um. You did have a tie 29th, though. You, you had a tie, uh, you had a top 30 finish in the Slovakia Challenge, um, which was your. F- no, actually, sorry, I'm. Uh, uh, sorry, um, <laughs> I've I've completely missed your tie tie 24th actually in the hot the hot the France Open. I'm not going to try and pronounce that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I remember the start of the year, you know, other than the Q school, I had never, I I went over to the European Q school and that was the first time I'd ever been in Europe. Um, So for me, it was uh, just getting used to life over there and how things were and whether it was driving on the other side of the road or sparkling water or (laughs) whatever it was it was uh it was just a bit of a a change and um different types of of golf courses and just learning learning that and meeting new guys and everything it was definitely a bit of a slow start but uh yeah I started playing a little bit better in the middle of the year and then I had a good finish to the end of that year so Uh, I've just pulled pulled, pulled the Cal well uh, the Cali golf open I'll go with that all right uh, where Robin Ruzel won, but um, in that same event, a certain Richard Bland was second. Um, Callum Hill was in the top ten. There's a surprise because he <laughs> went absolutely nuts that year. Yeah, I remember um, I, that tournament. Yeah, I played with uh, Nikolai Hoygaard in the last round, and I I vividly remember the last round was shit weather. Um, uh-huh. And I remember shooting like one or two over and thinking that that was like actually a pretty decent score. And meanwhile, I was yeah. dropping down the board a bit. And that was uh, when I realized that the Europeans were a lot better than me at uh, playing in the shit weather. Um, <laughs> that's, that's one thing I've noticed is that those guys can, 
can shoot three, four under on a, on a horrible day. Um, whereas just playing, playing over in, in North America, that's not necessarily as true. Um, I think, you know, maybe on a nice sunny day, the, the American guy might be able to fire the really low one. Whereas anytime the weather is not perfect, I'm taking the European guy to, uh, to get him on that side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Um, so yeah, you alluded to the you, you had a you had a very decent finish to the year. Um, so so that kind of started at the Open to Portugal, uh, where you had your first top twenty finish of the year uh, in Portugal at the Magado Golf Club, um, and then that kind of just went forward from there at the Hops Open de Provence, Lala Aicha Challenge Tour and the Stone Irish Challenge, where you had tied fifth, tied seventh, and tied fifth, um, all in consecutive weeks. So uh, would it be fair to say that kind of Portugal was the kind of turning point for you? Yeah, yeah. Well, and I remember, too, at that point in the year, it was getting towards the end of the year, and I was honestly just trying to keep my card at one point. Um, and then it turned into a decent finish here, a decent finish there. And it was trying to get into the top 45. And, um, I just remember trying not to care about any of that stuff. And it had just been, it hadn't been a great year. And I just kind of said, screw it and just not worry about it. And let's just go play and fire at some pins and have some fun. Um, I had a buddy come over and caddy for a couple of those events. So I think that probably helped, you know, you're not over there by yourself. You're with somebody, one of your, one of your pals. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a really good finish towards the end of the year. And then I ended up turning that into another couple of good weeks at Q school. It felt like there was like two months there where I didn't finish outside the top seven. Um, so that was, that was a fun little stretch. Yeah. I mean, that must, as a professional player, that must like, you must be, that must transform your confidence anyway, for sure. Um, because at the end of the day, it's a, it's a confidence game at the end of the day, isn't it? So, 100%. Um, so, the kind of, so you kind of finish your year um, on the Challenge Tour uh, with a double header in China. Was that the first time you've ever been in China before? And if so, how did you enjoy that? It was, and... Uh... One the first place we went, it was in Sanya, which was like a tropical paradise. It was like Hawaii. Um, so after everything, you know, you had I had read and um, about going to China, I wasn't expecting that. But the next place was what I was expecting. Um, I remember eating at McDonald's seven days in a row because we were right beside one of those sketchy looking markets, and I did not want to try anything on the menu. Um, so <laughs> McDonald's seven days in a row, it, and it was really hot and really what was it, humid. Scorpion? Well, I have it no was, idea what it was. Deep fried scorpions. And the, yeah, I, I don't think we'd want to know what they were serving at those things. Um, yeah, the hotel was right beside one of those sketchy-looking markets, so uh, I did not go in there at all. Um, I remember both weeks, a lot of the caddies over there are women. Um, and I just remember feeling horrible having this little small lady carry in my bag and she's got sleeves on, she's got the big hat on. They're just protected from the sun. 
it was super hot. Um, it was, it was an interesting couple of weeks over there. Um, I enjoyed one of the weeks and uh, didn't overly enjoy the next week, but to be fair, both the golf courses were awesome. Um, the facilities were so nice. Um, the, the, the golf aspect of it, of it was great. And the, just the, yeah, the outside away from the golf course was uh, a little different at the second week, but <laughs> it was a life experience. No, for sure, but definitely. Um, so after that, you kind of gained a few starts on the European Tour again. Uh, so you started your season at Leopard Creek, uh, then on to Mauritius, and then uh, where you've finished time. And then you finished tied 27th again, uh, back down in Australia. Um, how... Uh, sorry, I'm trying to think of what I'm trying to say here. <laughs> I do apologise. Um, how was... Um, Mauritius must have been uh, pretty interesting, because yeah. definitely a gorgeous place. Beautiful. That One of the nicest places I've ever been to. Um, a lot of these places, I don't remember a ton from the golf course. I remember more off the golf course and, uh, that, so the first two weeks in, uh, Leopard Creek and Mauritius, I had a buddy come out and caddy for me and the hotel that we were staying at in Mauritius, the way that it worked with like the currents out on the water outside of the resort, we had about a hundred foot long stretch of, uh, or sorry, a hundred yard long stretch of. Uh, beach that we were on and the way that the current came in it kind of came in around these rocks and it slowly meandered down and so we would we, we bought these awesome snorkel uh, masks and we would go in and the fish in there were just incredible you just see hundreds of different colors they'd come right up next to you so you'd go in snorkel and you just kind of float down the hundred yards get out walk down the sand come back down and snorkel and I remember doing that all week um and the, and the hotel was amazing there. Um, the golf course was amazing. It was very island, thick Bermuda, like Kikuyu type grass. Um, I guess I, they haven't been back there. Um, I, I think Rasmus actually won that event there, Hoygaard. Um, but yeah, yeah he won in a playoff back. against Paratori. He won in a playoff against Paratori and, uh, and oh, Rosner. Was, um, Rosner, yeah. Yeah, and the scores were low. I remember it was a really nice, really nice golf course. Um, uh, yeah, I, I wonder if they'll ever go back there. Um, it seemed like it was a beautiful place, and I know a few of the boys have uh, sponsorship deals with courses down in Mauritius there as well. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, I'm sure Nicholas Colsarts is uh, actually a member uh, down in Mauritius, I believe. So. Okay. And I think Marcel Siem has an aff affiliation with one of the clubs down there as well. I'm not sure what exactly the tie is, but it's it's an amazing place. Uh, so we enter into the the doom land, which was 2020. Um, <laughs> before obviously, before obviously everybody started to learn about this whole, you know, the first wave of coronavirus. Um, how how were you feeling kind of in the few tournaments you played in 2020 just before you obviously you had to finish after the Qatar Masters? Yeah, I mean, 
I don't, I, I really, the, it, it kind of sucked because I got my card at the end of 2019. And so I got a few tournaments in, in, and then in the start of 2020 and, um, you know, it was everything I was hoping for with all the fans and everything. And the, the European tour experience was really cool. And, you know, I think I only got in three or four tournaments and then in Qatar is when everything shut down and we had to head home from there. And that's when the lockdown started. And when we came back out, it just wasn't quite the same. Um, but I do remember those first few tournaments was, was really cool. And just kind of everything you would imagine and playing in the events was just, was, was, was an honor almost. And it was, it was really fun. And, um, yeah, I, I don't think I got to play too many tournaments at the start of 2020. I might've played in one or two. Uh, it, uh, yeah, it was the second one in Australia. Uh, then you played in Oman and then in Qatar and then obviously it shot all. Yeah. Um, and then, and then when you come back out, um, when you come back out in the middle of July for the, the Betfred British Masters uh, at Close House, um, that was part of the, the UK swing. You actually, you actually had a fairly decent run at that kind of, uh, and at that kind of time period in, in the middle of the summer. Um, would you say you kind of enjoyed your experiences of that UK swing? Yeah, thinking back on that, I remember um, we were able to start playing golf and call it May or June or whatever it was. And I remember playing the best golf of my life. I was shooting 64 every round around here. And I was just thinking, please get me to the tournaments. Let's start now. I'm playing so well. Showed up to close house. I think I shot 66 the first round. I was like, perfect. I'm going to win all these. And uh, and it quickly uh, faded and it didn't last. So I, I timed it a bit poorly, but uh, I managed to have a reasonable run in some of those events and you know made a lot of the cuts. I don't know if I had any real high finishes, but I just remember playing so well leading into it and cooling off a bit in the actual events, um, which was a bit frustrating. But uh, yeah, I guess that's the timing that's uh, associated with golf as well. Uh yes, so just to give you some clarification there, it's uh so you were tied fifty third at close house, uh miscut the week after that the hero open. Tied twenty sixth at the English Championship, tie fourteenth at Celtic Manor for the Celtic Classic, and then the following week at the Kel uh, at Celtic Manor you're tie fifty third, and then tie nineteenth at the ISPS Handa UK Championship. So yeah, I mean, three top thirty finishes really, and 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 that kind of run of six events, it's pretty good. Oh. Yeah, it was it was it was not bad for just starting out again, and um, yeah, I remember being fairly happy with those results, and that was that was easy. The tour did a good job of putting those events on, and it was very easy for us to travel around with everything being in the UK. We were able to just drive week to week, and. Um, I remember that was a nice little run of golf that they put together for us. Got to play some good courses in there as well. Celtic Manor, the Belfry, uh, Hanbury Manor, Forest of Arden, and Close House, I think. Like, wow, I, I'm actually impressed I remembered all those. <laughs> uh, I mean, you got to remember something, man, don't you? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, kind of towards the end of the year. Where you had a couple of decent finishes. Uh, first of those was at the Italian Open, tied 22nd. 
um, that was the year. Uh, no, that, that that was the one where uh, Ross McGowan beat Laurie Cantor, if memory yeah. serves me correctly. I I played in the twosome on the Sunday with Lee Westwood, and that was uh that was a really fun day. I remember Birdie in the last hole to nip him by a stroke, and not that it mattered to him, but it was it was fun for me to say that I got him by one. Um, that, yeah, that was, that was a fun week. Did you do a bit of Did you do a little bit of No. Did you do a little bit? Maybe with some of my like, buddies, uh, but uh, not with him. <laughs> you just but you just like oh, I just beat Lee Westwood by by a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that was a, that was um, a fun Sunday. And then, <laughs> uh, and then you the the tour flies out to Cyprus for the first time. Um, I've been to Cyprus before. I've been to Paphos. I've actually seen, I've actually seen the hotel resort at the Aphrodite Hills. Stunning place. Uh, what What was your thoughts on your couple of weeks in Cyprus? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, it was awesome. the the uh, The golf course was a little bit funky. I remember having to drive golf carts down switchback hills, and there was one of the the par five fairways. You hit over this huge canyon. And they carted you around yeah. to the fairway on the other side, but it was it was beautiful. Um, ended up we went there for three weeks um, because of the the hotel quarantine that Canada had in time at the place, um, or in place at the time. <laughs> we um, we didn't we weren't able to come home a lot, so we would just stay in places after we played there. Um, so we had two tournaments in a row in Cyprus, so we played those two, and then. The following week, we didn't have anything going on, so we uh, we just stayed in Cyprus and explored the island. Went and did some cliff jumping. Um, yeah, that was it. Was it was an awesome place. The hotel was amazing, um, and I see that they're going back there at the end of this year. So uh, I think they'll probably get a yeah. decent turnout. Yeah, at the end of November, I believe it's the week before side of the. Oh, no, I, I believe it's the week before the DP World Tour Finals. I think. I'd imagine they'd get a nice turnout. I mean, it's a it's a lovely place. Cliff jumping! Oh my god, uh, that, 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 that that right there would just give me the stuff of nightmares, man. So it was cool because we were there during COVID times, and there was I don't remember the name of the place, but it was just this this cove or this bay, and when you looked down, there was it was dark with rocks underneath in a lot of places, but then in these couple of these areas, it was crystal blue and that's where there was sand on the bottom. And there was only two other people in the whole other area. It was me and my wife and these two other people. And we saw this one girl jump in and we were kind of like, Oh my God, like this is pretty high up. And like, it looks like there's a bunch of rocks down there. This looks dangerous, but I guess it's this one spot that's very well known for it. And uh, so we kind of went down and asked her and she was super nice and she kind of came up and showed us. And so we were able to jump down and you kind of had to aim for this one little spot where there was the sand. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a super cool experience and something that, you know, with COVID normally, apparently there's hundreds or thousands of people at this location and there was like four of us there. So it was it was a really unique time to be there. I was. How was your nerve uh, just looking down? <laughs> With those things, I'm not. I'm not too bad. I was. I was able to jump pretty easily. It was convincing my wife to uh, jump, and and she did, which I was. Uh, I was actually kind of surprised she did. 
Did she want to hit you afterwards? Just like, <laughs> probably make me do that ever again. <laughs> I was standing far away though. I was taking a video of her, so she couldn't have been too mad at me. Um, yeah, um, yes, it's it's funny you bring up your wife. You actually, your wife is actually, uh, she's actually carried fees uh, a, a few times, hasn't she? Yeah, so she she did the whole year of 2021 with me so she ended up quitting her job and taking like a year off and we traveled and did everything together because of the restrictions with how strict they were with the bubbles and uh, going back and forth just wasn't really possible Um, we just decided to it was either that or we're not going to see each other for a long time so um, she just decided to come come with me and we did it all together and it was it was super fun and you know once in a lifetime experience for us we don't have we don't have kids, we don't have pets, we have a house and that's about it. So we were able to, you know, we we're fortunate where we could do that. Um, and yeah, it was tough. I mean, like this, I, I in 2021, I left home in the middle of February and I was not home for another five months um, because of how strict all the rules were. And um, it was it was a bit tough from that perspective, but at least she was there for mo- most of it. She was there for the first four months. And um, yeah, it was kind of, that's the year that we had in a, in a nutshell. It was uh, very difficult travel-wise. Yeah. Uh, is, she, is she into the game as well? Like, um, as as much as other people? Or does she... Are you just like, oh, I'm just taking you around the world with me kind of thing? No, I mean, it was a little bit of both. It was it was a really cool opportunity to travel, um, but she understands the game pretty well, and she's carried for me, for me enough now where she she knew what was going on, and we learned aim point together this this year. So she was actually reading pots with me and doing the aim point express, and um, no, it was it, it it was good. It was it was super fun experience. Uh, and obviously in 2021. Um, you actually had a you actually had a very very decent kind of finish to the end of the year to be honest um a few very decent finishes in there. um t- tie 28th at the Irish Open at Mount Juliet uh, that must have been a cool experience obviously playing in Ireland yeah that yeah the few times I've been to Ireland it's like I feel like I keep saying this but that's definitely one of my favorite places the uh the Guinness is awesome there. The uh, the the people are oh, yeah, the Guinness people are nice. Oh, I love you a get... pint of Guinness. I'm not I'm not, I'm really not much of a drinker, but when I do go to Ireland, I make sure I'm having one a night there. A uh, big shout a big shout out to the uh, the Fair Refinders podcast. who are all a bunch of Irish guys, um, and they do enjoy a a pint of Guinness or three. So yeah, shout out <laughs> to them guys. And it's funny how uh, like, but the, the, the guy who ended up caddying for me for the, the last half of the year here, he's, he's Irish. And they all say that the Guinness is not good anywhere else. And I do actually, I, I didn't believe him at first. Yeah, they say the only place it's worthwhile ordering is in Ireland. And I didn't really believe him at first. But it does, it, it's, it is not the same when you have it somewhere else. It's about like everywhere, to be honest. I mean, I could say the same about Heineken. It's it's not as good around the world, but it's supposed to be amazing. And uh, back in the Netherlands, okay. 
it's like it's it's like that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, certainly, a couple of our beers in Scotland, well, they'll they taste better in Scotland uh, rather than out with you know down south or whatever. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah. Um. Uh, you also had a good finish uh, in the Czech Republic as well, um, tied 17, and then a few weeks later uh, in the Netherlands for the Dutch Open uh, at, with a tie 19 finish as well. Uh, would you say your game was definitely trending in the right direction then? Yeah, yeah, I had a few decent finishes there. And I remember in Madrid, I was in contention through two rounds and had a poor weekend. Um, there was a stretch of, yeah, three, four weeks in a row there where I was playing pretty well. But uh, again, just kind of the theme of the year was, you know, not being able to turn that 19th finish into a eighth or sixth or whatever. Like I, you know, just just a little bit off and not able to put all four together. Um, but uh, that was right around the time where I was getting married. So Maybe there was a, a positive correlation there. I don't know. Do you believe in any of the kind of, uh, you know, oh, he's just been married, so he's going to win soon kind of thing, the kind of... I don't know about that. I mean, I wish I could say that that would have been the case for me. I got, I think the Dutch event was the week before I came home and the wedding was the next week. Um, I think there's definitely something to some guys will play better if they, ha- if they know they have off weeks coming up or vice versa, if they've had a bunch of weeks off and then they come back. Um, I think rest is important. And sometimes when you're on the road and you're away from home a lot, you know, you look forward to getting home. And, you know, if you're going home the next week, maybe you're excited and you have a good last week to cap it off. I think there's something to that. <laughs> I mean, uh, yes, yeah, so, so, some... Um... You get some people saying, oh, yeah, oh, this guy's just been married, so, uh, yeah, he's definitely going to win soon, or this guy's just had a child. Oh, he's definitely nappy factor and, and stuff like that. I mean, get, it also uh, could mean that they haven't practiced and they might miss every cut for a while. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it kind of works both ways, doesn't it? <laughs> exactly. Uh, right, so just kind of, j- just kind of some well general questions really. Um, we kind of dived in, in most of the stuff there. Um, so well, actually before that, you're currently what's your current your current status is category seventeen, isn't it? So what? So for anybody that doesn't understand the whole category business on the European tour, uh, what what? what what does that mean for you in terms of your kind of uh, getting into getting into events for next year? Oh, I barely understand it. It's uh, you need some sort of math degree to figure out how they've done all these uh, recalculations and the safety net and everything. Um, I, I think for me, it means that last year, if I played 22 events this year, I might play somewhere around half that. Um I've probably been bumped down the the rankings or the priority list, maybe 30, 40 spots or something like that. And there was a decent amount of tournaments this year and the bigger ones, at least where I was kind of, you know, the last category in. Um, so 
I'm probably not going to be getting an NT Rolex or any of the big events, uh, $6 million events like the Irish or anything like that. Um, so I'll have to make the most of it in the smaller events that I do get into. But if you have, you know, top four, three finishes, that's, uh, that can be enough sometimes. So, um, or obviously if you win something, so, um, yeah, I'll just have to play, you know, make the most of the starts that I do get, which I think could be between 12 to 14 is my guess, maybe something like that. I'm not a hundred percent sure, to be honest. <laughs> it's just like, okay. Um, you're just like, that is what is going to go try and make the most of it kind of. Yeah. I mean, that's all I can do. I mean, it's, it's the way that they've, the, the, I got my card obviously at a great time with Q school in the way that, you know, I was able to get an extra year out of it. Basically 2020 was a free run. And then with the, with the safety net, I, you know, with where I finished on the money list, I would have maintained some status anyways, but it wouldn't have been great. But then you also had guys who, finished 200th on the money list, but who were in category 10 the year before, and they're still ahead of me for next year. Um, so there was a little bit of that, which I don't know if I totally agreed with how they did it, but um, they're in a tough position in terms of what they what they had to do with this safety net for, for this season anyways. Um, so yeah, with, with, with in terms of next year, I mean, I just got to, whatever events I get into, make the most of them. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure if you have another, I mean, very good start to the season uh, with the you know the cutoff event in Joburg. So no reason why you can't kind of replicate that going forward into next year. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that's that is a good point. Off to a good start. So um, nice to have that one in at least before the the new year gets kicked off in January. So. Um, well, I guess first of all, um, what, uh, who, who are your t- type of, who are the type of players that uh, you're either very friendly with or guys that you look up to for like, you know, if, if ever you need any mentoring or something like that. Is there any guys on on the European tour that, that are kind of like that? Uh, the like, guys that I would hang out like with. Would be probably Dale Whitnell and uh, Johannes Beerman. Those would probably be the two guys that I'm hanging out with the most or playing practice rounds with. Um, and they both had great years. Um, D- Dale and I get along quite well. Like he has his wife or soon to be wife caddy in for him, and so did I. So they got along quite well. They were in the same line of work. And Johannes is just uh, one of the nicest guys out there. Easy to he gets along with everyone. Um, and and both great players and both had good years. It's funny you say that. Will Basling actually is very very friendly with uh, Johannes Veerman as well. He had nothing but nice words to say about Johannes as well. So yeah, I spent uh, <laughs> the the day before uh, leaving South Africa. We were both stuck there for an extra day, so we we hung out for the day and uh, we're trying to figure out flights out for ourselves and. Um, he was showing me around the area that he was in and he had been to the place a few times before, but yeah, coach, coach Jay, I like to call him. He's, uh, he's one of the nicest guys out there. And obviously shout out to Dale, who obviously we had the 
pleasure of interviewing him uh, back in April when he was actually in Austria <laughs> in the Diamond Country Club. So, yeah, always got time for Dale Whitnell. Lovely bloke, isn't he? So, yeah, and he had a nice year. He's very consistent, uh, steady player. Yeah, definitely. Um, is there, what, what's, I guess, what's the, what's uh, the main goal for you in 2022? Is definitely, definitely one of the main ones, obviously maintaining your European tour, well, your European tour card, basically. Yeah, I think that and to try and improve on the status that I have. So like I said, within those events that I get into, try and you know, maybe play a little more aggressively and, and have a high finish in one of those and parlay it into something else, you know, whether that's coming top ten and getting yourself into an event the next week or or a win or or top five or um yeah, just making the most of the opportunity that I have and um trying to play my way into more of a full card. Because you know it's it is it is quite a bit big difference with the points that are up for grabs in Rolex events versus the other events. Uh, if you can be playing those Rolex events, you're uh, you're in pretty good shape. Uh, and is it a t- uh, is it a tournament that you haven't played yet that you're just you're you're just kind of itching to play, like if ever you get the chance? Oh. Um, Valderrama maybe. Yeah, that I would I would say Dubai and Valderrama. Um, Valderrama I think would suit my game. I'm not I'm not the longest hitter out there, but I'd like to say I'm one of the straightest hitters. Um, and I've heard straight and fairway and center of greens works pretty well there. Um, yeah, I would love to play that one. Uh, never been there. Heard amazing things about it. Um. Switzerland was really cool. I don't know if I'll be back there this year, but that's kind of the same same kind of style. Fairways and greens are important. It's it's tricky with the altitude and um, it's not long, but it holds up well. Like it, I think 13 under one last year, and it's not a long golf course, and we had good weather. Um, it's just very fiddly, firm altitude, all those factors. It's a super cool place. Put the mountains in the background, don't you? Uh, in Switzerland, it's just yeah, it's uh, it's similar to Western Canada. Um, if you're in Calgary and Banff area, it actually looks very similar. So, um, I felt kind of at home when we were there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, wow. Um, um uh, is there anybody? So, uh. I actually, I actually asked this question to Bezling a couple of episodes ago, uh, so I'll ask you this one as well. Um, obviously, maybe you can't say yourself, okay? Okay. So if there's if there's anybody on tour that hasn't won yet, uh, hasn't won a European tour event, um, well, to date, um, that you want to see win a win a golf tournament uh who is it going to be and why <sighs> who i want to win or just give you someone who yeah. i think will or, win? What, what, yeah yeah who who you would want to win uh well to to see one and um and basically why 
Well, I'd like to, I would like to see Dale win. I mean, Co- coach Jay Johannes is one that I was saying the two guys that I hang out with, you know, you want to see your, your pals do well. So I would say Dale. Um, and another guy who I would throw out there would be Adrian Moronk. Um, super nice guy and, and just a great player. And I think, I think that one is probably just a matter of time. He's, he's been up there plenty of times, absolutely pounds it off the tee. Uh, Extremely hard worker. Um, and Stuart Beck, who used to caddy for me for a bit, is caddying for him. And, yeah, I know he works hard, and he's a great player. And, um, yeah, I, I think I could see a win for, for AJ next year. Oh, that's going to go down very well with my co-host. He's a, he's a big Adrian Moronk fan. so <laughs> I could see Will as well. well and- I, I, I played with, uh, with Will this year in Denmark through the first two rounds. And uh, I remember like leaving the golf course on Friday and thinking that, you know, he's going to have a chance to win this thing. The guy absolutely flushes it. So, I mean, if, if, if he has a good putting week, you know, it's, it's, that's kind of what it is. It's the guys who hit it good, who have a good putting week. Right. So I, I, yeah, any, any, I'll, I'll tell you any of those three, I turned your one into three there. There you go. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, so if I'm to say, if I'm to say who I think is going to win next year, and then who I want to win, so in terms of who I think will win next year, definitely got to agree on Will. I think um, he's definitely improving, definitely bezeling. I think I think he's got a chance maybe in Austria. Type is. The type of track kind of suits his game and definitely has a chance there. Um, Try to think of someone else that hasn't won yet. Uh, yeah, I think I think a lot of it too is there's definitely a a golf course fit in the style. I mean, you know, there's certain places where certain guys feel comfortable and where it also just suits their game, and you're gonna have a better chance just off that for sure. Yeah, definitely. And so I'm just trying to think of one more. Um, no, I can't really. Uh, but uh, who I want to win more than anybody? I mean, you pro you you listened to this already, so you probably know who it is. Uh, but for me, if anybody deserves at least one win before he he gets a chance to finish his golf career, David Drysdale. Yeah, he's he's had quite a few chances. I remember watching on TV there the event in uh, Qatar in March uh, when Campillo was Campi- making all those putts on him. <laughs> Campillo absolutely putting him, putting him to death, really. <laughs> it's a cruel uh, game. I mean, I mean, just for the amount of starts, the uh, career longevity. Uh, I mean, uh, he's obviously been. No Scottish bias, I promise. But um, <laughs> uh, but no, I, I just think I hear nothing but nice nice words about the guy as well. Uh, it'd just be it'd just be lovely to see him get one win before he kind of calls it a day. Kind yeah. kind of a bit like Blandy at the end, you know. Yeah, it's almost like it it'd was be nice to be. You never know. Sometimes those things, uh, fairy tales, kind of write themselves. So that'd be a that'd be a nice send off for him, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, I'll finish with one last question. So, 
so I know you're a big ice hockey fan, so I'm gonna say, what would you rather? Would you rather? <coughs> Sorry. Uh, would Would you rather see the Winnipeg Jets win the NHL, or would you sacrifice that for obviously a win yourself? Oh, I'm taking the win myself every day. Every day. Not even Winnipeg Jets? (laughs) No, I'm taking the win 100%. I'm I'm a pretty big (laughs) hockey fan, but I mean, that's that's an easy one. (laughs) Not true, true. (laughs) Uh, Winnipeg Jets winning the NHL or... um, I'm trying to think of a try to think of a, an interesting one here um, or or jumping off a cliff again <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll go with the hockey one there less painful it hurt, it hurt I mean, a little bit jumping pa- off the cliff is, is it painful watching the Jets so? <laughs> no, no, it was painful landing in the water from 50 feet up. Um, yeah, if, if you if you don't have everything pointed down properly like I didn't, it was a little sore the next day. Um, but yeah, pretty. If if uh, you're giving me the option of me winning, I'm taking that. But most other things, I'm taking the Jets winning the cup for sure. Oh, that's decent, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's been it's it's been a pleasure. Mate. I mean, it's. You've been very no, you've been very, nothing but nothing but uh, a pleasure really to to have on. So yeah, so, sounds good. Thank you for having me on. It was fun. I've listened to a few few of your guys' episodes and happy to to join you and uh, and do it myself. Uh, I do realize I've just realized the time over here is ten fifty three. <laughs> getting a little late for you just getting a little late mate just getting a little late but um no it's been a it's been a pleasure mate we've kind of well certainly me i've kind of been wanting to get you on uh like a few weeks prior but obviously with getting into tournaments of the last last month and, and stuff like that and but we finally got around to it and yes it's it's been great you've been fantastic and yeah, I've uh, I've just got to hope that uh, you can get a win shortly, and uh, we'll see you in all the big events. Yeah, me too. No, it was fun. Uh, maybe we'll run into you in Scotland next year. Who knows? Uh, oh, uh, actually, now you just mentioned Scotland. Your favorite, your favorite, uh, your favorite course you played in Scotland. So I, I assume it'll be St Andrews here. I haven't played St Andrews. I've I've only played one, the uh, the Fairmont. Oh right. Oh, I, I, I just assumed you played St Andrews to be honest. Actually, oh. actually I was uh, I was second reserve at the Renaissance, so I played practice rounds there. Um, so I, I guess I lied, but uh, I I've, thought that place I've been was twice. a little bit a little bit strange, like. Um, I don't know. If I was to choose between the two, I honestly probably prefer the Fairmont. I've I've actually I've actually been there twice. Uh, like as a spectator, 
I mean, right by the water and stuff. Fantastic. Yeah. As a golfer perspective, obviously we would know, but um, but it, it definitely it's. I think there is better, better out there, especially especially for the caliber of the the Scottish Open now. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's a Rolex series, so you, you would think you think maybe they would switch it a little bit between Renaissance. Gullins just, just just up the road, uh, yeah, places like that. Other, other, good, other good Scottish courses like in that in that uh, small area. Um, but no, I've I've been there twice, so I'm I'm a little bit biased, but it is a nice place. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no. It's, every time I've been to Scotland, I've I've enjoyed it. Just uh, the weather hasn't been uh, cooperative every time we've been there, so. You been to Edinburgh before? Uh, I mean, we flew in and spent like a day there, and then uh, went out and played the tournament up at uh, the Fairmont. Um, and yeah, I remember playing at about 50 mile an hour winds this year. I think that was my first 80 on the European tour. <laughs> uh, well, I, I mean, if if ever you get to experience Edinburgh, I definitely recommend it from a tourist point of view. It's uh, it is a beautiful city, and I think you would enjoy it very much. Yeah. Yeah, next time I'm there, I'll be sure to send you a message. <laughs> Aye. With a pint. Uh, I, I was going to. Uh, no, I can't be a pint of Guinness because we're not in Ireland. So. <laughs> okay. We'll get you a pint of tenants. So that, that'll be an experience for you. <laughs> Sounds good. Right. Anyway, mate. Um, yeah, it's, uh, as I say, it's been really fun. And uh, yeah been very very good and uh yeah all the best and uh i'll be i'll, I'll be be sure to keep an eye on you for the foreseeable for sure so sounds good man thank you for having me on nice chatting with you no worries mate uh all the best and uh yeah uh enjoy enjoy the rest of your quarantine and enjoy spending the rest of your time uh with your your wife and family and stuff and we'll see you again next year Sounds good. Will do. Cheers. All, all the best, Dan. Cheers, man. Thanks. Okay.